Hello, my friends, Brett Patterson coming at you from not the financial capital of the West. Brian is joining us from the financial capital of the West. How are we, Brian? Doing good. Doing yeah? good. Yeah. Spencer from the great land northward. What is up, Brett? Good to see you. Spencer's excited because Louis Gomert was just traded to the San Diego Padres or something like that. That's exactly right. You got it right on, Brett. It's Rudy Gobert, right, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Apparently, Spencer, he's smart out there. We're Nailed out there. Nell it. Anyway, everyone, thanks for listening. We're coming at different places today. I'm a little bit under the weather, as you can probably tell in the, my, how my voice sounds. Uh, so staying away from Brian and Spencer today. Stay safe, stay home. Right, Brian? That's right. <laughs> but we have an important topic today that we want to discuss. And it's something that, that we get asked about a lot from friends, from clients, um, family. Um, I've even been asked by kids, what's with the gas prices? So everybody notices it. And it's the big bear in the room right now. Uh, and, and I know that it's supposed to be the big elephant in the room, right, Brian? I think that's, that's right. The big elephant in the room. We're going to call it the big bear in the room because this market sucks. And it is a bear market and it sucks to go through. And so what's causing it? What's causing the stock market to go um, to be bearish? And so we're going to share some uh, share my screen today, share some thoughts, share some charts, some statistics. So let me do that now. And I first want to bring up, where are we year to date? So this is returns as of July 1st of the year 2022. The S&P 500 as of now is down 19.74%, highlighted on the right-hand side of my screen. The NASDAQ down almost 30%, down 29.08%. And the, and the corporate bond index, which we don't talk about a lot, but it's important to understand, is down 10.3%. So what does all that mean? Well, that means that it's been a tough year. In fact, it's been so tough. On my screen, you're going to see a very, very conservative portfolio a portfolio of 60% stock, 40% bonds. That return of that really conservative portfolio, it's down 18% this year because that big bear in the room is dragging everything down. Stocks, bonds, Bitcoin. Spencer, where, where's Bitcoin right now? Bitcoin's down 65% on the year. I think it's trading under 20 grand. Oh, yeah, it's at 19 grand. Last yeah. time I looked, as of just a little while ago, it was at 19,000 Bitcoin. I, I remember when a client, well, I've had multiple clients call through, you know, through the years and say, hey, should I buy Bitcoin? And I said, and I'd ask them and say, well, what's it worth? And they're like, well, it's 60,000 a coin. I was like, well, is that really what it's worth? Is that a good deal? And they're like, I don't know. And I think the answer is still, no one knows if 19,000 is a good deal for a Bitcoin. No one has any idea. All right. Now I've got to bring it up because we're talking about it. 
um, Bitcoin price right here got as high as oh that's that's uh i'm gonna we're on the fly here let's go five year good grief got as high as sixty seven thousand six seventeen. now it's at nineteen thousand six oh eight. so the big bear is just beating up everything right so what's the big bear that i'm talking about guys Inflation, Brett, you're talking about the big bear of inflation. And last time you guys had a great podcast of looking at the last three inflationary periods and recognizing a connection between peak inflation and market bottoms. But inflation is the thing that is is beating everyone up right now. So I've heard that inflation has been caused by Russia and by China's lockdown and by supply chains. Um, but no one is really calling it out like it should be. Where is this inflation? And I don't know if we want to put a percentage on it. That might be too hard, right? 90% of the problem or 85% or 95%. But where, where did the biggest problem come from? Why is this inflation 8.5% right now? 8.58% right now? Great question. Um, there's, there's a really, when I really want to geek out, there's a statistic that I love to watch. And I've actually been following it for a long time. Is It's called what the M2. And it is a measure of the total money supply in the US economy. Every single dollar that you have, that I have, that everyone has that's out floating around. And historically, M2 grows anywhere two to 4% a year. Um, and that's typically what it's done. And uh, you can see that chart, that purple line you have is M2. And you can kind of see a gradual growth rate along, you know, that's 2014, 2016, 2018. And then all of a sudden you get to 2020. And we all know what happened. Ironically, Rudy Gobert got traded today. And Rudy Gobert was like the domino that ticked in <laughs> like COVID off. Do you remember that? He tested positive at Oklahoma City. And the whole world kind of, that was the first domino to fall and, and everything fell apart. Well, Spencer ties everything back to basketball. Right? Yep, that's everything. exactly right. <laughs> well, you, you can see something interesting. So when COVID hit, which is that purple line, it, it, M2 is the purple line. The yellow gold line is inflation. But COVID hit, the government shut the economy down. And what did they do? they pumped a whole bunch of money into the economy to try to keep things alive, keep businesses alive, keep households, you know, they, whether it be PPP loans, whether it be child tax credits that they actually started mailing checks to people, all of those things came into effect during COVID. And in 2020, you take a normal growth rate of M2 of two to 4%, and all of a sudden, 26% more dollars were in circulation at the end of the year compared to the beginning of the year. And that was in 2020. And then you yeah. add 
more skill percent to where right now you have 40% more dollars in circulation than you did two years ago in February of 2020. And so for sure, the war in Russia is, is affecting inflation with energy prices and stuff. And for sure, supply chains and uh, you know shutdowns in China with manufacturing and not being able to get goods. All of those variables are impacting inflation and having a negative impact there. But the elephant to go along with the bear is the fact that there's 40% more dollars floating around in the economy and there's not 40% more goods and services. So you have a lot more dollars chasing the same amount of goods and services. What has to happen? The prices have to go up. And that is ultimately the driver behind this inflation. You can see on that chart you're referencing the you the inflation rate following that M2 after after the lockdowns ended. Yeah, it was and you can sense. see prices prices went down immediately because everything got shut down. And so anyone was lowering prices to try to sell goods. But once and, and inflation is always, you know, I mean, a lag. It's going to lag the money supply. The money has to get out into the economy first, and then the prices are going to rise. But you can see that line exactly. It was a bottom, and then and that's when the money supply really increased. And then all of a sudden, what happened to inflation? It took off. Yeah. This is the uh, this is the printing press at work, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we, and we don't printing presses. This is what's happening. And we don't like we we don't like the blame game, right? Like, we're just not that those kind of, of people that like to blame stuff on others. But the government completely overreached here. And was it the second stimulus, or the, you know, the, how many stimuluses were there? Was it the PPP and just giving money to all these businesses? Was it the checks that they sent people? You know, all that. There's just way too much money sloshed around the system right now. Well, well, and I think, Brett, you know, it's important, like looking back, and there will be case studies on all of this, but there's always a cost to everything, you know, and I think people immediately think money as a cost, but there's there's just consequences and a cost to everything. And with well-intended, you know, policy of trying to keep businesses and open and everything, well, now we're paying the cost for it. I mean, that's honestly what it is. Now the piper has to get paid and inflation is really the cost for all of that government stimulus. Rightfully, wrongfully, that's just a natural consequence of, of what's taken place. And, uh, and so the pain of, of it is, is being felt every time you fill up with gas or, or or do anything else just because those prices have, have increased so much you know go to the grocery store whatever it may be yeah. Yeah, it, one one other thing i'd say you don't hear a lot about modern monetary theory anymore which was that you know there's no repercussions for money just flooding the economy and giving everyone money. That's the modern, isn't it? That's what it's called, MMT, modern monetary theory. Uh, you know, that was three years ago, pre-COVID. There were a lot of people saying, hey, 
the government just needs to print more money and give more money to people. Well, you don't hear that much now because now they're seeing this is what happens when you do that. You know? That's why they call it a theory. They kept, you know, they, they think that uh, you can just print, 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 no consequences. Inflation won't come up and, and how much debt the government has doesn't matter. It, there's no, co- you know, and now we're seeing that there is a cost to everything that that's done and has been done. Yep. So before we talk about why inflation is so bad on a portfolio, which we want to illustrate, we got inflation at 8.58. Brian, when's the pain going to stop? (laughs) I mean, it's been seven, eight months. Like uncle, I'm, you know, I'm tapping, I'm tapping out. When, wait, wouldn't that be Ryan, nice? Wouldn't tell that be me. nice to know? Wouldn't it be nice to know that when when this would uh, end? Just uh, you know, put me in a deep sleep and and then uh, wake me up when it's over. You know, that's that's uh, what I'd like, or at least let me know when it's going to end and how it's going to how this inflation is going to end. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't know you know how it will end. I think it absolutely has to end. The cost of inflation uh, is so detrimental to our purchasing power over time. And uh, we have to do what's needed. We have to take some hard medicine right now and uh, some uh, medicine that doesn't taste very good. And and there's going to be some side effects to that medicine. And we're seeing that right now with higher, you know, higher interest rates are a, as a result of high inflation. I mean, that's why we're, that's why uh, interest rates have gone up. That's why the the 30 year mortgage has gone up over 5%. I think it hit 6% briefly there. So that's the cost of uh, you know some of the actions that we've taken over the last couple of years. So the next, oh, go ahead. Can, can I say one thing, Bretter? Yeah. Just on the education side as well, we've explained why this inflation has happened. And, and though we don't know when the inflation will end, we, we know what will cause it to end. And what, what will cause it to end is a slowing in the economy and less growth of the money supply. This, that, that purple line that you have that chart, that has to flatten out. And the way that that flattens out is that there's less lending going on, you know, less private bank lending out into the economy. And the way that the Fed is trying to encourage less lending into the economy is by raising interest rates, making it less attractive to borrow money, and also them paying the banks a higher interest rate to hold on to their reserves. So that's why the Fed is raising the short-term interest rates. They're trying to make it more attractive for banks to hold on to their money and less attractive to lend it out, meaning there's less people that want to lend it out. But that is how inflation will come under control. The when that happens, no one no one knows that. Obviously, you, you, you've heard ter- you've heard the term that the Fed is going to shrink their balance sheet. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. Over time, they're going to shrink their balance sheet, re- pull money out, pull reserves or money out of the system, and uh, that it's. So it's it's in the process now, but it's it's going to take some time. And and this year, just so data point, um, so far this year, um, M two has grown by about three percent. Um, so far, just this year. So um, that's where you know the the most recent numbers on June twenty eighth. 
in, in, in May, M2 grew by 0.1%. It actually went down a little bit in April. And so um, we're on track to be under 6% on the year, and that's a good sign. That's because going back to a few podcasts ago, we're currently in a recession. <laughs> Just kidding, Brian. Good, good debate. That's a yeah. good debate. So, well, you know, Brett, I think, I mean, there's a, there's a decent chance that, that we'll technically hit a recession, maybe this upcoming quarter. I mean, there's, there's a decent chance of that uh, two negative uh, quarters in a row is the definition of recession, but. 50, 50 so, yeah. shot. Yeah. Just for our for our listeners, Brett thinks we're in a recession. Brian doesn't think yet we're in a recession, and I'm right. <laughs> and you're trading Louis Gomert to <laughs> University of Pennsylvania. So um, the one thing with inflation that I will say before we talk about its impact on on clients is you've seen over the last two months. Wheat collapse, lumber collapse, soybeans collapse, um, beef collapse. Like all of these commodities, with the exception of oil, are collapsing in price. Is that enough for me to proclaim that we've hit peak inflation? No, but it is definitely some positive signs that that people are slowing their spending, which is what Spencer just talked about, which is what needs to happen. So you're also seeing uh, like Target said a couple uh, month or so ago, said that uh, their inventories are building. I think Walmart said the same thing. So you're seeing some deflationary indicators out there already yeah. in yeah. some sectors. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're going to have two prime days this year instead of one with Amazon. Why? Because they have so much inventory because everyone stopped buying. So, so yeah, you are seeing some positive signs of things slowing. So, so let's talk about inflation as, and, and why it's such a negative thing for people in, in building their wealth. And the best way to do that is to look at a compound interest calculator. And I, I, I call inflation the greatest risk for, for wealth destruction. Um, it's, the, it's the cancer that slowly kills people's wealth over time. And what do we mean by that? Well, here's a million dollar portfolio. The input's on our left. No, we're not doing any regular deposits. And it's a 10% return over 30 years. Okay, Now, a 10% return is the return before inflation. So before inflation takes, takes, has an impact on this portfolio, your 1 million uh, at 10% over 30 years becomes 17.5 million, which is awesome. That's great. Well, in a, if inflation is normal, you're running about 2% inflation. So a 2% inflation rate, that takes that 10% return down to eight. And so what's the impact of 2% inflation 
Well, it goes from 17 million to 10, which is crazy <laughs> in and of itself. Right? That's 2% regular inflation. Okay. So what if what if we don't get this inflation under control and inflation remains high, elevated for way too long? And, and I'm saying maybe 6% inflation rate, okay? So that would, a 6% inflation rate would take your 10% return down to four. So what, input, what impact would 6% inflation, inflation have over time on a portfolio? 3.2 million. Like that's crazy. That is what, and Spencer, in your financial planning, you know, your planning meetings with people as you build that financial plan for them. Inflation's a huge component of that, I imagine. Oh yeah, absolutely. Inflation is, that's where a lot of times people, when we sit down together and, and they think maybe they're a little in better position than they are um, because a lot of times they'll just do an Excel spreadsheet and they'll say, okay, for the next 40 years, we're going to live off of $8,000 a month or $10,000 a month. And and it's great. And what they're not accounting for is that $10,000 a month, uh, you know, 30 years later is actually $25,000 a month, you know, because yeah. of that inflation. And so, yeah, you can see right there, if inflation persisted for an extended period of time, someone just lost $14,000 worth of purchasing power, you know, on in your example, that's enormous. That's that's how someone goes from a comfortable retirement to having to get a job in retirement when they don't want one is because of that kind of impact. And so, Brian, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about um, whatever we need to do, whatever needs to happen to cure us from this inflation cancer that's, that's running rampant right now. Whatever needs to happen, great. So be it. What do, what do we mean by that? Summarize what we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, we we really have to to take care of inflation. That that is, like we've said, it's so detrimental to uh, our purchasing power, and uh, it's uh, so we we have to take take some hard medicine for sure. Or, and uh, that means uh, possibly a recession. And if a recession will slow the economy down and also uh, get inflation back to a reasonable level. You know, the target is 2% inflation long-term. You know, right now we're running at eight plus percent. Uh, we're a long ways away from 2%. So it's gonna take some time. And uh, does that mean, uh, you know, one of the things we talk about inflation, well, I've heard this a few times, one of the cures for uh, high oil, high oil prices to, for them to go down is high oil prices, you know, and, and that will slow the economy down and, and hopefully uh, put, you know, slower demand or lower demand on oil prices. Yeah. So, yeah. So if it's a recession, bring it on, bring it on. If it's higher interest rates, bring it on. If it's whatever to get us to cure the, the inflation to get us back to that 8%, um, whatever we need to do, we got to do it. Well, so if we have a recession, that's a temporary thing. Of course, 
having a, a long-term recession that, you know, sticks with us a long time, that would, nobody wants that. And nobody wants a short-term recession. But the hope is, is that we can have a, you know, that maybe a recession might bring down, uh, a short recession might bring down inflation and bring down prices. Um, and uh, if that's the medicine we need, then, you know, I think that's, that we need to be willing to accept that. Um, you know, what we can't have is long, durable inflation that sticks with us and just destroys purchasing power over the long term. Yep. Yep. You know what the other good news is, Spencer? What's that, brother? Got some great news for you. I'm excited. On the other, on the other side of every bear market is what? I tried to make Brett cheer, cheer Brett up the other day by letting him know that 100%, 100% of all historical bear markets have ended with a bull market. And uh, I think we can all say that we're confident. There are no guarantees in this world, but all three of us are very confident that this bear market will do the exact same and end with a bull market. And uh and, and we look forward to obviously working through this bear market and recognizing that sometimes these are painful, but, uh, but we look forward to the new bull market that will start when, when it does. If that's, well, that's three months that's, from now or seven months or 12 months, but they've always yeah. ended with the bull market. That's a good way to put it, Spencer. It'll, it'll happen when it does. Here's a quick chart, Brian, that you sent me a little bit earlier today. And I'm going to focus on the far right column because we're long-term investors and we buy great businesses and we're looking out three, six, 10, 20 years. Um, after every 20% drawdown since World War II, okay, which we are currently in, the average return over six years later, you're up on average 79%. That's... The good news is when this ends, whenever that ends, there's a nice bull market to take advantage of on the other side. So, yeah. Ryan, cheer up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even one year later, if you look at every, you know, bear market, just one year later, on average, you're up 17%. Uh, once you hit, once you go down 20%, you're, you're on average. Now there's, you know, four instances where you're still down a year later. Um, but, uh, you know, I, we've talked about this many times in the past, how every, like basically another way of, that I've said many times in the past, every market downturn has, has been temporary. We've never had a permanent downturn in the market. And uh, just as Spencer said, every bear market ends with the bull market. And uh, I'm confident that that will happen. We don't know when it will happen, but I'm confident that uh, owning a good business over a long period of time will be a good way to fight off inflation, build wealth, accomplish your goals. Yeah, well said. What we need is we need that elephant that's in the room with the bear to just step on it and squish it and be done, right? And then Rudy Gobert will come clean up the mess or something. <laughs> anyway, 
The best part about this podcast is that it is July 4th weekend. And so as we round out and end this podcast and we welcome the first part of July, which we love, let's say thank you to all those that have served our country that make it possible for us to celebrate a July 4th. And we want everybody to have a fantastic July 4th holiday. So with that, my friends, until next time, when we should be in the same room together, enjoy your holiday. Talk later. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.